Welcome once more and always to the DOGS program. We are the defenders of government schools. Um, even in these covidness times, we have to defend government schools. There's all sorts of very strange things going on around the country when it comes to education. And we're going to fill you on, on what 3CR's perspective, or at least what the DOGS perspective is, on what on earth is going on. Apparently there's all these um, very insecure private businesses that are deciding that they are or they are not going to do a public service, depending upon whether they do or they don't feel financially secure enough. I mean, separate to whatever the teachers in these schools are doing, these businesses, of course, are education businesses. Um, one very large education business in Australia is actually run by the Catholic Church. It's called the um, Catholic Education System, educates about a quarter of the population, and it's deciding whether it's going to educate kids, despite the fact that it's taxpayers funded. Um, there's the Dependent um, Education System, which isn't the state one. It's, called, um, it's got independent written above its masthead on its correspondence, but functionally it's um, taxpayer funded. They're deciding whether they're going to provide a public service um, of teaching children, and quite rightly too. But their issues seem to be not so much with kids and not so much with teachers, all about the money. We'll be talking about that before we get into all that sort of stuff, plus some news from overseas, as we often have here on the Dogs Program. Um, I'd like to introduce you, of course, to our world-famous press releases. Today, we are absolutely um, full of happiness because we've been given the gift of two press releases by Jen. One is 838 and one is 839. Because we have two, now ask Dale, um, who's also here in the virtual studio, to help us out with that. Um, Jean, um, can you tell us about the two press releases and, and then we'll throw to Dale? Well, 838 is good news and 839 is interesting news. Now, 838 is the result of a very interesting uh, email that I received from State Schools Relief. It is a not-for-profit organisation which is trying to help disadvantaged children. And Dale, in a moment, will tell you what they are offering for parents and students in our state schools in this rather difficult time for everybody. Over to you, Dale. Thanks, Jean. Yeah, I've got press release number 838 here, entitled State School Relief. COVID-19 highlighting inherent inequality in education. And it's for the 23rd of April, 2020. State Schools Relief, providing laptops and internet connectivity to at-risk year 12 students as schools move to distance education models. State Schools Relief, with support from the Victorian State Government, are providing technological devices and internet connectivity to financially disadvantaged VCE students as schools transition to a distance education model due to COVID-19. Only 68% of children aged 5 to 14 in Australia's most disadvantaged communities access the internet at home, compared with 91% of students from the most advantaged communities. As schools implement a distance education model, the demand for uniforms and shoes will dramatically reduce, which which has been provided 
which has provided state schools relief with the opportunity to redirect those funds into assisting families who are unable to afford the cost of a device and internet connectivity with financially disadvantaged Year 12 students being prioritised first. Sue Carzas, CEO of State Schools Relief, states that the cost of a device can be prohibitive for families who are already struggling with the costs of living and by providing at-risk children with access to the technology to continue their education at home will help alleviate some of the financial burden for them. State Schools Relief with the support of the state government, is pleased to be able to offer Year 12 students support with learning devices and internet connectivity during such a crucial period in their learning. In what is our 90th year, we continue to remove barriers to learning for young people struggling with challenging circumstances. State Schools Relief began assisting in 1930 during the Great Depression. 90 years on, we continue to be a source of vital assistance for over 60,000 Victorian students per year, she says. The VCOSS, Victorian Budget Submission for 2020 and 2021, estimated that the out-of-pocket costs for a child or young person attending a state government primary school in metropolitan Melbourne in 2019 was $3,841. For secondary education, the cost was $5,368. In addition, 7.3% of Victorian households, that's 180,000 households roughly, persistently struggle to pay their energy bills. And most people seek emergency relief. Most people seeking emergency relief need support to pay their electricity bills, buy food, clothe children, pay rent or make mortgage mortgage payments, which has only been exacerbated with the recent spike in unemployment. As a result of COVID-19, relief organisations have seen a spike in requests for help with educational costs, including uniforms, books, excursions and internet connection. State Schools Relief will be providing Lenovo 11e laptops, in line with DET specifications. Applications for these devices will be received for students in year 12 from targeted schools who have no access to a device in the first instance. Dependent upon upon demand, the devices will then be offered to other year levels. Internet USBs with 50 gigabytes of data per month for three months Applications for these USBs will only be received for students who have no access to home internet. Study packages comprising of a desk and a chair suitable for secondary students and standard stationary package for primary and secondary students. Teachers of at-risk students are encouraged to apply for this assistance via the State Schools Relief website. That's www.ssr.net.au forward slash schools. Applications are open from the 22nd of April 2020. What was that website again? Just in case any of our listeners are interested for either some friends of theirs or maybe they have children in VCE. 
yes, it's State Schools Relief. That's ssr.net.au forward slash schools. Thank you very much, Doug. You're listening to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AM podcast all over the WWWs. Um, we are the Defenders of Government Schools, and we'll be back with our second press release after this. You're listening to 3CR. We really are in unprecedented times, and 3CR, as your local community broadcaster, is trying to do our part to minimise the spread of the coronavirus throughout the community. At the front of our minds is protecting the most marginalised and vulnerable, but we are still here, and we'll continue broadcasting 24 hours a day with radical alternative content throughout this period, but things will sound a bit different. Some programmers will present their shows on the phone, and we'll be finding creative ways to bring you our regular programming. So stay tuned, stay safe, and be kind to each other. through 3CR and through the Dogs Program and to, this is just so much fun, we have two press releases because there's so much been going on, Jean's been very busy, press release number 839, independent schools forced to open, now this seems to be the sort of issue du jour or the week that we've been talking about, Um, I'll be expanding on this later but Jean, uh, what's the Dogs position on independent schools, inverted commas, um, opening or not opening or not having enough money or being grumpy that they're being wedged or give me more I don't even understand. Jane, can you can you can you sort this out for me? Ah yes. Here's press release eight three nine and for people who want to find out more about the State Schools Relief, you can go to our website too at www.stateschoolsrelief.org. 
adults.info. Now, press release 839. Independent schools forced to open? Question mark. Just a minute. What is independent about these private schools? In what can only be described as wedge politics, Education Minister Tian, confronted with state premiers refusing to open public schools and desperate in times of plague, has used the power of the purse to open so-called independent schools. On April the 28th, last week, Minister Tian promised financial rewards to restart classroom teaching within four weeks. He brought forward payment of $13 billion in annual funding to demolish their resistance to face-to-face learning. The first advance of this billings, we're dealing with billions and billions here, will be worth 12.5% of next year's funding and it will be paid in late May to schools that can show their boards of approved plans in place to resume classes by June the 1st. So they're running short of cash, or they say they are, and he's going to give them a bit of extra cash for next year. But what happens when they run out of cash in 2021? More cash. Yeah. So one wonders about all this. Uh, Unsurprisingly, No mention is made of any special funding for public schools, which are struggling to provide proper sanitation and other equipment for teachers and children. The federal government... Oh, but by the way, Mr Tian has mentioned all those poor, disadvantaged children. He's really weeping crocodile tears because it's a long, long time since the coalition government put their money where their mouth is as far as disadvantaged children is concerned. But that aside, the federal government has allocated $21.8 billion to school funding this year, with $13.1 billion going to private schools and the remaining monies to state public schools. This means that almost two-thirds of federal funds, 60%, go to one-third of Australian children in private schools and one-third of their money goes to the two-thirds of children in public schools. So when you look at those figures, I wish Mr Tien would stop talking about disadvantaged children because 80% of disadvantaged Australian children attend public schools and 90% of Indigenous children are educated in the public sector. Now, the reaction from teachers and parents from the public sector has been understandably savage. If you look at the comments to the articles in the uh, Sydney Morning Herald and Age on this. But the Prime Minister's children, who attend a fundamentalist Christian school, have also been given publicity by the Prime Minister himself. So he can't uh, complain that the children, are, his own children, have been put in the front media line. He is insisting that, this is Mr Morrison, saying that he would send his kids back to school in a heartbeat. This term, as long as the school was offering proper classroom teaching. I mean, he says, they were sitting in a room looking at a screen. That's not teaching, that's child-minded. 
And he further said, and schools aren't for child minding, schools are for teaching and they're for learning. But the so-called independent schools should not be misled by Morrison's daggy dad image, and I'm not sure that they are. What nobody has yet commented upon in all of this chewing and throwing in the media is the iron fist in the velvet glove that has been exposed in this Tian, uh, Minister Tian's exercise. Or, to mix the metaphor, Tian appears to be holding out a carrot with his left hand, but behind his back is a much bigger, fat financial stick. Now, he exposed this stick earlier when he threatened private schools with funding if they didn't open their doors a few weeks ago. But now, in full knowledge that without parent fees up front, some schools are on the business edge, he is holding out a carrot. Independent schools, particularly those with a dodgy business plan, are far from independent. Payment of teacher salaries are almost completely dependent upon federal and state funding. And their curricula, their teacher registrations and their external testing procedures are controlled by the government. The only thing which distinguishes these dependent schools from public schools is their selection of children and teachers and cleaners and anybody else they employ, their expensive facilities and they're overfunding by governments. In the brave new post-virus world, these dependent schools should be open to all children, teachers and parents, and they should be made free, secular and universal. And if some of them are wealthy enough to stay independent and do without taxpayer funding, then they should do so. So that is the dog's position. Now, the interesting thing are some of the comments that were made. Uh, Chris Curtis, of course, from uh, the independent, or sorry, the Catholic sector, had quite a bit to say. Uh, he was saying that the uh, aged in the Sydney Morning Herald and other people had really misled the public, that there was no new, new money, it was just money up front. But that didn't necessarily uh, go down too well with uh, public school people who were also comment, commenting. Uh, one person, Aturos, said this, all public funding of elite private schools must cease immediately. If you choose to not make use of the public education system, that is your lifestyle choice. Don't expect me and other taxpayers who could never afford to send our kids to your school to subsidise your life choice. I want all the money from my taxes that ends up in education to go to the public sector. And uh, somebody else from Mr. S. Egypt said, instead of giving private and individual schools an advance on next year's funds, the government should be fining them or taking away their current funding for not adhering to the conditions the governments are declaring necessary. Money speaks all languages and they will probably jump at the idea of having advance funding to the detriment of the public school system. After all, it's the taxpayer paying for this, and we know, all know how many less taxpayers there are in the country today and in the foreseeable future. Mm. Uh, QED said, does anyone know the total amount of fed and state governments pay to each student, private versus public? 
I've tried to look, but every source seems to distort the numbers. My opinion is that the total spend on each student of each age, regardless of private versus public, should be the same. Well, uh, you can find those figures, I can tell him, with um, Trevor Cobald on Save Our Schools. He's done some tremendous work and he's proving more and more that the private schools are doing a lot better than the public schools, even with government funding, and you can forget about all the private fees. And everybody can see this just by uh, driving past a lot of these schools. Uh, Woten said the private schools need this money to heat their swimming pools during the winter. <laughs> and Dystopia said, no, they need it to finish carving the gargoyles on the Scottish baronial library. <laughs> no vision, no policies, no direction. How good is that? This is just what we do not need. They will use this for more swimming pools, expanding their own bus services. Yep, with federal money, they have their own bus fleets, and that that is quite true. Building and expansion programs. Take a look at the private schools, and you will see how disadvantaged our kids in public schools are. Um, And and it goes on and on and on. Uh, Rick says an absolutely outrageous misuse of taxpayer money. This money should be going to public schools to purchase soap, hand sanitizer and upgraded cleaning of classrooms and staff rooms. And Tony said, why not give the money directly to state public schools so they can buy PPE, testing kits, cleaning equipment and employ more teachers? Um, John Ralston says, why are we giving money to these elitist institutions at all? Pump it into public schools. And Ross says private schools should not exist. And while they do, they should do what they're told. Um, and somebody replying to Ross said, yes, with all the federal funding, they need to toe the line. Better strategy is to give all the federal funding to public schools. And so it goes on and on and on. There yeah. are many, many comments. Um, but I'll pass it over to Robert now because I'm sure he has some comments to make of his own. Thank you very much, Jean. I'll probably um, make a few comments. In fact, I will make a few comments, but I'll make it after this. Six years I've been in desert. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here with us, uh, Aboriginal Radio and... Um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time. You'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things like And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know, it's been going for a while now. Hopefully it goes, it keeps going. You know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there. As prisoners, we can't blame everything on the external. So let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor, because real power comes from here, and it comes from family. 
If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 9419 Viruses like flu and coronavirus spread when tiny droplets from coughs and sneezes land on surfaces that others touch. You can help reduce this risk by coughing or sneezing into your elbow or upper arm. Or use a tissue and put the tissue in the bin straight after. Then wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Visit health.gov.au to learn more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. Are you ready to be inspired by local grassroots herstory? Connect with the stories of Friends of the Earth's 45 years of creative resistance. Everything from anti-nukes in the 70s, road blockades in the 90s, Indigenous solidarity, feminist politics, and so much more. Tune into the podcast at 3cr.org.au slash acting up. And be inspired to create a fair and just future for all. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dogs Program on 3CR 855 on the AM Dial podcast on the WWWs. Well, Jim's press release um, refers to one of the big issues of the day, which is private schools behaving, um, and we shouldn't be surprised, uh, like private schools. Everyone else in Australia um, is obviously adjusting to these difficult times, and the private schools have had to do so as well, and they don't like it. Um, they set themselves up in business, and losing money for them is not what they're into. Um, and so they're very, very comfortable putting political pressure on whatever government it is required to make sure that they don't lose any money. Now, what's happened is that the Federal Education Minister, Dan Tan, says, well, open up your schools because I told you to, because I've got the purse strings and I've got the money, and I won't give you any money unless you open up. And they have hit the roof. What do you mean you're going to take away our money? It's ours, they say. Um, I'm standing in the corner for dogs going, actually, no, it's not yours, it's taxpayers. Um, and for some reason, unbeknownst to me, we decided to give it to you. And as Jane has quite rightly highlighted, there's a large number of Australians that are not happy that their money is going to private enterprises that educate children in Australia. Now, because they're refusing to lose money, Tian has now chose another tack, which Gene was hinting at, but didn't actually say explicitly. I think it's worth talking about because what's happened is that private schools will be given a financial reward to restart their classroom teaching in the next four weeks under a federal plan and use $13 billion in annual funding to demolish um, the resistance this whole idea of face-to-face teaching. So teens now, so here's $13 billion extra if you'll go and do what I say. Now, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, will offer independent and Catholic schools a 25% advance on next year's federal funding, which, by the way, is about $13 billion. 
That simple fact in itself is outrageous, but there you go. But the condition of them getting this extra money up front is at least have they've got to have at least half of their students in classroom by June 1st. Now, this dramatic offer by uh, Mr. Mr. Tien and Mr. Morrison um, made to schools um, just this week intensifies pressure on state governments to hasten the end of online learning at home as Australia's curbs grapes growth in the COVID-19 crisis. Now, with the Victorian and Queensland governments holding out against calls to quicken the return to classrooms, Federal Education Minister Dan Tierney insisted the country's peak expert group said schools were safe. But I'm going to point out that Victoria's um, expert um, medical group says, no, it's not, and they're not. And Queensland's expert medical group is saying, no, it's not, so no, they're not. And Dan, Andrews, and Dan Andrews, the um, Victorian Premier, says, I'm not sending kids back um, a moment sooner than my medical expert tells me it's safe to do so. Now, we have all sorts of questions about conditions in state schools and also private schools. But the idea of sending children back to school and teachers back to school and, indeed, functionally, um, parents back to school because they then become exposed to whatever the school is exposing their children to, um, without the proper protections to me is just a bit of craziness and certainly too early. But here at the dogs, um, we're not experts on this. I'm not a virologist. Um, I'm not going to give you any advice on what to do in this crisis. I am going to listen to the experts. What I can say without a shadow of a doubt is the experts are disagreeing with each other on this question of whether schools should go back. But Morrison's thrown $13 billion at the private schools because Morrison funds private schools. He doesn't fund state schools. So he's trying to drag the state school sector back by saying, look, private schools are going back and they're fine. Now, I'm just going to point out at this point, the private schools are not back. Oh, no, they're not. Money's been offered, but they haven't taken it. And if someone says to me, oh, this isn't new money, you've got rocks in your head. It is technically an advance on on 2021's money, $13 billion. But if you think in 12 months' time, the private school system is not going to come to the federal government, oh, we need special um, unprecedented extra funding this year as well, or we'll make sure no one votes for you, which they do regularly. Um, you've got rocks in your head. The private school education system lobbies the federal government. The federal government gives them lots of money. That's the way it's been for a generation, and that's the way it's going to be next year, and that apparently is the way it is this year. It's all a bit crazy. But I'm quoting now from an article, an article written in um, the Sydney Morning Herald by David Crow on April the 28th, um, which is just this week. Victorian Premier... Daniel Andrews, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews, pushed back at the pressure from Canberra on Tuesday after the federal government released five academic studies that found disadvantaged students would suffer the most from prolonged online learning. Oh, now that's interesting, isn't it? He says, I won't be lectured on looking after disadvantaged kids, Mr Andrews said. I simply don't accept this notion that kids are being left behind. We are doing everything we possibly can in Victoria, can I say, in unprecedented times. 
to protect the kids. Because this is functionally where there is disagreement amongst the scientists. And so he's erring on the side of caution. Now, while the Australian Health Protection Principles Committee has not recommended school closures, one of its members, Victorian Chief Health Officer Brett Sutton, said that keeping children at home helps to suppress the transmission of the virus. Well, of course it does. Professor Sutton signals last week that the state would move towards on-site schooling as the coronavirus came under control, softening a previous position in favour of online learning for all of Term 2. Now, Mr Andrews wants 100,000 more coronavirus tests conducted over the next two weeks before he makes any decisions on school. Now, this to me makes more sense, because if you test before you send the kids back, then you have a much sort of stronger handle on how safe the whole process is going to be for the teachers, for the parents, but most of all for the children themselves. Now, we are a civilised country, and civilised countries are judged on one thing and one thing alone, how they treat their elderly and their children. And as far as I'm concerned, even though I'm not a child, I'm very happy to sacrifice a couple of weeks of school and, and a few extra sort of paying a few extra taxes if I know, as far as you can know, that the children going to school are going to be safe. I also want to know, and I haven't been told this, no one's mentioned this at all, will there be thermometers at the school game? Will we know if a child has a temperature before they start school that day? Will we know if a teacher has a temperature before they start school that day? Some of the children might be tested, some of them might not. This is just the way of the world, but what things can we do as a response to what is going on to allow a school to function and function well? If we're not doing those things, why not? If there's no plan, then why not? And if it's a state-by-state basis thing, which is what it seems to be in Australia, why is there no consistency? Now, the Independent Education Union Research Officer, this is the independent sector, said the school should not reopen until teachers and students have reliable safeguards. Do you know what? I agree. State schools also think the same. All schools think the same thing, as far as I'm concerned. Now, the government is very keen to get schools back as soon as possible because they think that's going to kickstart the economy. And they're probably right. But isn't that fascinating in itself? Schools are the turning point in a crisis. No state schools, no economy. Bring the state schools back, bring the economy back. And then all these independent schools, well, what benefit are they if you've got to give them $13 billion of of, of tempting cheese to get them out of their holes? I was talking to a parent friend of mine, and here I am going to give some advice. And they're a teacher, and they're a parent. And they said, I don't know. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I love my kids. I love my kids at school as well. And I do want to go back and I do want to educate because my friend is is a teacher by calling. They are an extraordinary individual. They're very good at what they do and they're not quite sure what to do. And I said to her, well, when the students at Geelong Grammar go back to school, then it's safe to send your child to school. If the elite are willing to send their children back into a school, then you should follow them because they will not take risks with the precious heirs of the <laughs> fortunes that 
that, 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 that they possess. Because if you go to somewhere like Geelong Grammar or even Scots or sometimes like Trinity, amongst those children are the heirs to fortunes. And an heir to a fortune is not going to walk into a school unless it's completely safe. So I said, that's what they're going to do. So I'm not sending, I, if I were you, I wouldn't send your child to a school unless Geelong Grammar goes back. And when their boarding school goes back, then off you go. It's about as safe as it's ever going to be. And be careful for getting run over by buses, by the way. We'll be talking about some stuff overseas, which I think is really interesting. It relates to the international human right, the fundamental right, indeed, to education, and how that is being described in the US Court of Appeals. Before we do that, let's have a little bit of music. Coming home to me 
And their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. We're a proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world, and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's simply not good enough that kids with disability miss out. Our education is not for profit. Our education is not for profit. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Welcome back to The Dogs program in these covidness times. That's The Dogs on 3CR, the indomitable, the, the indestructible 3CR. Um, I'm not in the studios, and neither is Dale, and neither are Jean at the moment. Um, we're scattered to the four winds by the forces of COVID-19, but we don't care. We can still get to air. That's what we do, because we have to. Uh, 3CR is an extraordinary um, organisation, and I do suggest you support 3CR um, as much as you can by subscribing or even donating in this time, because I can tell you right now, and, I, and, and this is some behind-the-scenes talk, the staff at 3CR are doing a lot of support work for people in the community who are remote broadcasting for the very first time. And when people in the community do remote broadcast for the very first time, oh, my goodness, they need a lot of support. And that includes us here at The Dogs. So it's a big, massive shout-out to all of the staff at 3CR and volunteers who have supported us over this difficult time. We're currently getting there. Um, I will apologise. The quality of audio that we are sort of generating on this radio here is not what you'd expect from our studio performances, but as long as you can hear the words, that's what's important. 
as you know, as Facebook used to be the sort of great, the great engine and vehicle of, of the spring revolutions in in, our, in 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 the Middle East. Here in Australia, it seems to be Zoom that's propping up. Um, we, the community fighters of the world, who wish to put something to air, which is what we're doing right now. Now, I want to share with you something I think is quite interesting. It's an article by Trevor Cobalt from up in Canberra, um, from Save Our Schools Australia. Um, it's on his website, which is SOS, or sorry, Save Our Schools, all one word, dot com dot au. It's a fascinating article. It's about the US courts ruling just, just quite recently about a fundamental right to education, because this right has not been upheld in the United States for some time. And the effects of not educating your population, not effectively educating your population, are now bearing fruit in the United States. Their response to the crisis that they have over there in the United States is um, uncoordinated, you can say, if you wish to be polite. But certainly, if I were to choose to live on a place on the planet, I would not live at Was- in Washington, D.C., the centre of power of the great leader of the free world. I wouldn't be living in Washington, D.C. right now because it would be too dangerous. Um, I'm very pleased to be living in Australia and even more pleased to be living in Melbourne and even more pleased to be on Melbourne's greatest radio station, 3CR. But having said that, in, in America, in a groundbreaking decision, it just happened last week, the U.S. Court of Appeals ruled that the U.S. Constitution provides a fundamental right to a basic minimum education for all students. And the Supreme Court has recognised basic literacy is foundational to our political process and society. Wow. It's got back to that in the United States. The decision makes it clear that public education has a critical role in providing the right to a basic education. The court was ruling on a lawsuit filed by students on behalf of students in some of the lowest performing schools in Detroit in their public school system. Their case was based on the due process and equal protection clauses of the 14th Amendment of the US Constitution. They claimed that poor students' performance was due to poor conditions in their classroom, including missing or unqualified teachers, inadequate and physically dangerous facilities, and inadequate books and education materials. In the decision, the court noted that the history of education in the United States also demonstrates a substantial relationship between access to education and access to economic and political power. He gave two basic reasons for recognising the fundamental right to education for all students. One is that a basic minimum education is essential for participation in the political system. Second is the guarantee of fundamental fairness in education provided by the 14th Amendment. The judges observed that, and I quote, every meaningful interaction between a citizen and the state is predicated on a minimum level of literacy meaning that access to literacy is necessary to access the political process. And they ruled, and this is a quote from their judgment, the basic bit of education, meaning that plausibly provided access to literacy, is fundamental because it is necessary for even the most limited participation in our country's democracy. 
Effectively, every interaction between a citizen and her government depends on literacy. Voting, taxes, the legal system, jury duty, all of these are and comprehend written thoughts. The judges also said that the unique role of public education is to provide opportunities for children beyond the means of their parents. Now, this is interesting. They noted that enduring belief that education is a means to achieving equality in our society. And I quote again from their judgment, education has historically been viewed as a great equaliser, regardless of the circumstances of a child's birth. A minimum education provides chances of success according to that child's innate abilities. Moreover, public education has a critical role in removing racial discrimination in education. The Supreme Court's desegregation cases make clear that state-provided public education is important, not just to provide a shot at achievement in the face of inequalities of wealth and power, but specifically as a means of addressing past racial discrimination that restricted educational opportunities, and of course to maintain, as best we can, whatever equal opportunity has already been achieved. The judges noted it's difficult to define the scope of a basic minimum education, and that this is the responsibility of the district court in the first instance. However, he noted some key principles as a guide to the lower court. He said that the quantity and quality of teachers facilities and educational materials must at least be sufficient for students to plausibly attain literacy within the educational system. That's the very, very... The school system has to be good enough where they attain literacy. According to the Yale law professor, Justin Driver, the ruling is the most momentous circuit court decision in the field of education for decades in America. In a statement in the Washington Post, the lead lawyer of the students summed up the significance of the decision as follows. And I quote, The decision affirms that the right of a basic education ensuring access to literacy is far more than aspiration, but rather is constitutional birthright of every child. It reveals the power of community that has struggled for decades to have all the children receive a fair shot at bettering their circumstance. And the necessity of our federal courts to stand up on behalf of those the political process ignores or disdains. Everyone who loves children should celebrate this thrilling victory. Um, I think hopefully this ruling is just in time. In America, the education system has become so segregated, has become so not universally poor, because you can't say anything universal about the United States, but has become so poor in pockets that the capacity for Americans to understand their system of government and therefore meaningfully participate in it has been deteriorated to such a point that it is manifest the very last number of Americans, and indeed Australians, do not have sufficient education to think critically about the world around them.
Now, in Australia, this is demonstrated by the fact that test scores, for whatever they're worth, have been going down for around about a year and a half, well, around about a decade and a half now, which is to say that our current generation, virus or no virus, is getting a worse education than the generation before. That is to say, our children in Australia, because of our education system, are less well-educated than they were in the previous generation. In America, this is manifest by many, many things that I could note, but I will note one thing and one thing only. That several days ago, a company that manufactured drain cleaner and antiseptic bottles put out on a number of occasions press releases that stated unequivocally that their product was not to be ingested under any circumstances. (laughs) And they did this because the President of the United States said that his scientists were working on injecting injecting detergents into the body to solve a virus problem. He also mentioned that getting light inside the body would disrupt the virus and that light, sunlight and ultraviolet light, kills the virus. And so, therefore, a number of companies that made tanning beds for salons had to put out a press release (laughs) stating unequivocally that a tanning bed will not kill the coronavirus once it's in your system. Now, the fact that the president said it means that one person is unintelligent. The fact that the manufacturers of the products he was talking about felt it necessary to reiterate that you should not do these things to your body under any circumstances, please read the label, is an indictment on the education system. And you go, oh, yeah, they're just doing that because they're saving their bacon. No. In Minnesota, there were, in what, for one statement as an example, there were hundreds and hundreds of inquiries to general practitioners about the use of detergents and disinfectants and their injectability to prevent and to cure the coronavirus. This in itself, to me, is evidence that the education system in pockets in the United States is well below standard, is well below par. Now, the fact that, as I said, the President of the United States says such a thing means that that is one person who is extraordinarily not just poorly educated, but probably has lots of problems, which I can't go into because I'm, I'm not capable of diagnosing the poor man. But the fact that people believe it shows that your education system is just substandard. That's the sort of thing you don't say in a country that hasn't got an education system. You know, you don't say that in certain parts of South Africa or indeed the subcontinent, because the education level is known to not be sufficiently developed enough. Got to wrap it up now. You've been listening to the Dogs Programme on 3CR, 855 on the AM dial, podcast on the WWWs. 
you can get us at www.adogs.info and at 3cr at 3cr.org.au. Don't call the front desk at the radio station. They're not there in these commitment times. We'll be back next week. So bye for now. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.